Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So many sports are in full swing right now, so there's no better time to get into sports betting than this very second. Go to Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The Masters is here. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. Hello, Lions fans. Jesse Cass here for the LMU Basketball Podcast here in the Believe Podcast Network on LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Welcome, everybody, into a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Jesse Cass. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks so much for being patient. We know it's been a little while since we've been back here in the LMU Basketball Podcast. Uh, sorry to leave you hanging for a little bit, but uh, we're back, ready to be in full swing, although the season is over. So a lot to talk about uh, looking back on this past season, looking ahead to the upcoming year. So there's there's so much to look forward to. We're going to have great guests on in the future as well, and and keep it rolling here on the Believe Podcast Network. And before we get into everything for this week, I want to let you know if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, five-star ratings are appreciated. And as I said, you can find us everywhere, including Believe.com, where there are hundreds and maybe even thousands of other shows on the platform at this point. So go ahead and check that out as well. But we are back here on the LME Basketball Podcast, as we mentioned. And uh, for the Lions, the last time we really checked in was during the West Coast Conference Tournament, just to kind of put a bow on that. And in the end of the season for the Lions, uh, it was a, a tough finish, uh, a disappointing loss after... LMU came away with a with a thrilling win over San Francisco, uh, and it set up a rematch with LMU and St. Mary's. Uh, we'd mentioned it on the last podcast going into that game that LMU, despite arguably their worst game of the year in the regular season, uh, with 27 turnovers, an incredibly high number, uh, they almost beat St. Mary's in that matchup, just lost by three points. Still had a gritty effort despite all the mistakes, but uh, they fell short in that one, and while it wasn't the same turnover issues that, that plagued the Lions quite as much. It was still a, a mucked up, gritty, grimy type of game. Neither team really shot the ball particularly well, although St. Mary's found their footing late in the second half. I ended up beating LMU 52-47 to to close out the season for the Lions. It was one that, uh, you know, a lot of things came to the forefront for LMU in this game. They were very shorthanded. Matthias Markison, who was one of the few players who had a great game in this game, of course, Eli Scott was another. Uh, those two really carried the way. But Markison had to miss about an eight-minute stretch where he banged knees or banged his shin uh, with Logan Johnson's knee, had a blood kind of explode from the, the shin onto the court. Uh, Markison was okay, but, it, you know, it took a while for him to get patched up, get back onto the court. Um, by the time he did, you know, LMU was hanging in the game pretty much the whole way through, but those are a lot of lost minutes when you're already shorthanded, especially for Markison, who did such a nice job in this game at 14 points, 7 rebounds. Eli Scott had 18 points and 8 rebounds, but outside of that, no one else had more than 6 points, and it was just one of those games where shots would not fall. LMU shot 37% from the field, 1 of 9 from 3-point range. They did hit 12 of 13 from the free throw line, but it was a game where they couldn't really hit shots, 
the turnover number, while well, we mentioned it wasn't 27 turnovers, it was still 18 compared to just 9 for St. Mary's. So all of those factors combined led to a really tough way to end the season for the Lions. 52-47, to 47, as we said. Uh, it doesn't put a damper, though, on just how fun a season it was during so much uncertainty and unease with everything going on with the pandemic. This was a, a really odd and unique season for the Lions. Of course, the first one under head coach Stan Johnson. They finished 13-9 and on the year, 7-5 and in the conference, the third best overall record. Uh, you know, things they haven't done in nearly a decade in terms of being that high in the conference. Uh, of course, what they did in Stan Johnson's first year. And you throw in the fact all the injuries that the Lions had to deal with. Plus, of course, the two COVID pauses that the team had to take throughout the year. Um, Damian Douglas going down once again after having really a, a strong breakout type season for him. Um, so him going down, Quintana going down at times, Quentin Jackson Jr. missing most of the season, Cody Pugh being in out of the lineup with his knee injury. Uh, so there's a lot of uncertainty off the court, of course, with everything going on with the pandemic and on the court just for the fact that game to game, you didn't know who would be there for the Lions, but it never really affected their effort. It never affected their performance. You know, they were able to really grind out some games, of course, a couple of games against San Francisco are most notable, coming back off a COVID pause with just six players. You being able to win that game on the road. And then, of course, in the West Coast Conference Tournament, again, shorthanded, being able to win those ones. So I think you're starting to see the foundation very early on here under Stan Johnson of the way he wants to play, the way he wants the team to play. And I think it's a, a really promising step. And it leads into the offseason where we are now, where you know some things aren't quite official yet in terms of transfers that are coming in, but we've already seen those players announce, and we'll see the school announce, and I'm sure at some point in the near future, but uh, big-time talent coming in uh, to what's already going to be, again, another really solid group next year. Uh, you know, Cameron Shelton, uh, a guard from Northern Arizona who averaged 19 points per game, was all first-team conference in the Big Sky. Chino Hills product, a friend and former teammate of Eli Scott, uh, so he'll be on the floor as a big-time scorer automatically, right away for the Lions. Big-time transfer there. Uh, then you throw in Kwani Marble II, a transfer from Wyoming. Another guard, more of a shooter from the outside. As a two-guard, of course, we mentioned the shooting woes that the Lions have had at times. Can never have enough shooting, and I think especially for this group, where they've had a lot of really strong interior play, to add more outside shooting is going to be absolutely huge for this team going forward. So that's really exciting. A couple of guards who can also push the pace. We know Stan Johnson has talked about wanting to play a faster pace. That wasn't really possible with with this year's iteration of the roster, with more of a, a bigger front court heavy team. So I think, you know, adding a couple of guards is going to be great there. And, you know, not trying to bury the lead here, but Eli Scott announcing he'll be back for a fifth season, taking that COVID eligibility year, uh, and he will return to LMU, which is monstrous news of course first team all WCC had an absolutely uh, prolific senior season and he'll have another chance to add on to it and hopefully for Eli a chance to do it in front of some fans have you know kind of a more real senior year experience going forward next year and all of a sudden with Eli coming back with the transfers coming in of course we mentioned Damian Douglas who uh, missed a lot of time this year Quentin Jackson Jr. is almost certainly going to take that extra year of eligibility as well. You throw in, you know, Cody Pugh could take that year as well. So much talent on this team. Jalen Anderson, the freshman, Alipiev, Quintana. You go down the list, all of a sudden this is a very deep team, a very versatile team, 
and a very exciting team going forward. So I think the future is extremely bright for the Lions. And with Eli Scott coming back, there's a lot of reason for excitement. We know the Lions, you know, in a shortened season, finished third in the conference this year, fifth after the, the Ken Palm ratings. But uh, there's no reason to believe that they shouldn't have those expectations again next year. So I don't think there's any way to grade the season other than a, a roaring success for, for Stan Johnson and the Lions uh, a great, as we said, first kind of stepping stone for this team and this program going forward. And as we said, a lot of reason for optimism looking into next season and beyond uh, with not only the transfers we mentioned, of course, Eli and all the, the returning players, but also a very highly touted freshman class coming in behind them. So all the depth that I already just mentioned before, you throw on even more players who could potentially have an impact right away. We've seen you know, some of it due to injuries, but Stan Johnson, not afraid to play his younger guys. We saw Jalen Anderson, of course, this year, the freshman point guard, become the starter immediately, automatically, uh, prove his worth, kind of work through some growing pains, but have a lot of really nice moments. So you have, you know, that, if you can work your way into the lineup, it doesn't matter if you're a freshman, doesn't matter if you're a sophomore. Uh, if you prove that you play with that effort and that skill in the court, then you're going to play under Stan Johnson. So, you know, to the new freshman coming in, uh, even more opportunity for more talent at the floor. So that's really exciting. And I uh, just kind of look, taking a look back to this season and looking at some of the, the more exciting wins on the year, you know, mentioned the, the San Francisco one, but I, I don't think there's any place you can start except for the season opener. You know, Stan Johnson's first game back on November 25th against Southern Utah, the buzzer beater, the game winner for, from Jalen Anderson, which was such a an emphatic way to start the season for the Lions in a, a back-and-forth, up-tempo, high-scoring game. LMU kind of have to claw their way back at certain points in the game from, from some deficits and having the ball in their hands in the final moments to win that game late. Uh, it was just an, an incredible win for the Lions. And then you go, to, go down the line, you know, beating UC Santa Barbara at home, that was a team that ended up having a great season, uh, you know, making their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, LMU, of course, played them twice, lost on the road, but came right back and beat them at home. Uh, you know, the game against San Francisco on the road, I mentioned it before, but that one was, was a really special win. And right before that, that road trip in the Bay Area at San, Santa Clara, Eli Scott, 37 points and a step-back game winner. That was really special. And then the win at Pepperdine. We've talked at length on both broadcasts and on, on this show multiple times of the the just inexplicable, terrible history for the Lions in Malibu, having lost 21 out of 22 years in that building uh, to beat Pepperdine on their senior night, 81 to 74, was was finally just kind of a big exhale moment for the Lions to get that off their back and get the win, and uh, it was impressive. And then you go to the next game after that, ultimately a loss against Gonzaga, but LME fought really hard, really showed themselves out to be a really strong team in the West Coast Conference. Ended up losing by 17, but that was a one-point game with a couple minutes left in the first half. Some tough calls go against the Lions. They keep fighting, really stay within distance throughout the whole game, and, and showed themselves well against a team that ultimately made it to the NCAA championship, fell short against Baylor, which we'll, we'll touch on in a, in a moment. But, uh, you know, so many great moments from this season. Obviously a shortened season at that with all the stoppages, but... Through all of that, as we said, so much to be proud of and excited about for this Lions team and a lot to look forward to going forward. So with that, we're going to step aside for a quick break. When we come back, going to talk about the NCAA tournament and some thoughts on what was a great and thrilling 
iteration of March Madness. So we'll be back here on the Believe Podcast Network. Relaxing is tough. With life being crazy, it's just hard to shut off your brain and chill. You overthink, you can get easily stressed out. It sucks. So I did the homework for you and found out that Sunday Scaries, which are delicious vitamin-boosted CBD gummies, are the perfect solution. They become a must-have in your daily routine. They can chill you out in just about 20 minutes. Basically, they help take the edge off so you can maintain your composure and live scare-free. And there's no risk to buy. The company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee. If the product's not for you, that's okay. You'll get your money back. Sunday Scaries is in the stress-relieving business, not the stress-causing business. I got you 25% off to prove it. Visit sundayscaries.com and use my promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your discount. That's promo code BELIEVE for 25% off at sundayscaries.com. They're effing amazing, and you won't regret joining their squad. We've all had bad experiences with sunglasses. Some that break, some that are cheap, that don't hold up over time. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code K9CAST15 at K9.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. K9, clearly better. And we are back here in the LMU Basketball Podcast. Of course, the Lions were not in March Madness this season, but what a tournament it was. Just felt like I had to take some time to talk about what a great and exciting tournament. We know that, of course, last year the tournament was canceled due to the beginning of COVID. This year, making it a, a bubble experience, essentially, with just playing in Indianapolis. And uh, really, so many great moments in this tournament, of course, the upsets early on with Oral Roberts and Loyola Chicago and on and on there. And then just down the stretch, the Elite Eight, the Final Four. I mean, I think the highlight, of course, was the UCLA-Gonzaga basketball game in the Final Four. And, you know, you got to give UCLA a lot of props in this tournament. An 11 seed from the first four to the Final Four. You know, Johnny Juzang with his incredible play. Jaquez, um, Campbell, you know, those guys played their hearts out in not only that game, but in the whole tournament and really showed out well, and and in the game against Gonzaga, of course, we ultimately, Baylor kind of knocked Gonzaga around in the championship game, but up until that point, Gonzaga had been really dominant. They beat a team in USC that had been crushing teams themselves. They, of course, were undefeated, trying to complete the first undefeated season since Indiana in 76, but, uh, you know, UCLA took it to them tooth and nail, went to overtime, of course, the shot by Jalen Suggs, and you know, whether that's a, a shot with some luck on it or not, Jalen Suggs proved himself to be why he's going to be a top five, top eight pick in the NBA draft coming up for, you know, for Gonzaga. But uh, I was just really impressed with that game in general, both teams. You know, Drew Timmy had an excellent tournament. He's a beast. Uh, but UCLA never backing down from Gonzaga and, you know, getting to see Gonzaga up close and personal so much, not only this year, but, you know, over the last decade, Something that they really excel in is kind of hitting you with a punch in a a big run, whether it's whatever, maybe a 10-0 run, a 12-0 run. They hit you in bursts, and it's kind of like that knockout punch that gets you wobbly, and then they knock you down, and, and and you're done for the game. And every time they tried to do that to UCLA, the Bruins had a response. And it wasn't the prototypical college game where, of course, you know, there's a difference between the pro game and the college game in a lot of ways, but... 
you look at, of course, the professionals are better because they're the best players in the world. So you look at those games when they get intense, it's about incredible athleticism, incredible shot making, incredible effort and defense there. In the college game, while the effort and intensity is there in the NCAA tournament, the the shot making is not always there. But in this game, it was. We saw, you mentioned guys like Juzang and Hakez making tough, you know, well defended fall away jumpers. The same for Gonzaga. Suggs get into the rim. Timmy with his footwork in the post. It was a really high level basketball game. So that was, you know, one of the many reasons why that one was really impressive. And and of course the shot. I mean, that's an iconic shot that's going to live on for a long time in college basketball, you know, no matter what happened to Gonzaga in the championship game, that's one that'll be kind of memorialized and with good reason. That was a, you know, I don't want to say fitting way to end because it's a, it's a really gut punch ending for UCLA and how toughly they played. But I mean, Hey, it was an incredible shot by Suggs. The NCAA tournament kind of breeds those moments where we always think about, you know, great, buzzer-beating plays in March Madness, and that one ranks up there, maybe not at the top, but certainly throws its hat in the ring as one of the better shots and finishes of all time there. And then, you know, going to the championship game, uh, Baylor clearly was just the the stronger, faster, better team in this ballgame. You know, whether they would do that over a seven-game series against Gonzaga, you know, who knows? I I would probably say that they would, but... um, you know, I saw, you see some things online about Gonzaga and, oh, now they're finally playing real competition and the WCC, not playing weak teams in the WCC. And, you know, I clearly don't agree with that, having watched the conference so closely for, for a number of years. And certainly there are some, some weaker teams in the conference. You know, Portland's been down for a while, but you look up and down the conference, and we've talked about it on this show numerous times, but... The talent of the WCC has only gotten better over the years, and you could argue that some of the the true, you know, blue blood programs have gotten worse over the years. Of course, Duke this year was not very good. Kentucky was not very good. North Carolina just squeaked into the tournament. So some of your usual teams at the top and usual conferences have not been as strong, uh, and I think the WCC has improved. And you throw on, on top of that the fact that Gonzaga, in their non-conference schedule, is always playing power conference teams. And of course they were undefeated up until this point into the national championship game. So I think that argument is incredibly flawed. And we've, we saw it when not only teams like LMU went out of conference and had success, you know, they, they took Minnesota to the buzzer uh, and lost that game in a tough one. They of course beat UC Santa Barbara, as we said, who was an NCAA tournament team. You look at San Francisco, they beat the number four team in the country in Virginia. Pepperdine went to double overtime with UCLA. You know, you go on and on down the list the West Coast Conference is is legit, and I think that you know any kind of slandering or slanting of the name of the conference just because Gonzaga had a bad game in the, in the championship game and got thoroughly outplayed by Baylor, I think it is misguided. So you know I, I do agree that Baylor is the better team, and they certainly proved it. They they put a whooping on Gonzaga. There's there's no other way to put that. But um, to use that as a disparagement against the West Coast Conference, I think is as I said, is not correct. So, uh, you know, credit to Gonzaga for a really strong year, but they just got beaten by the better team in Baylor. And just what a turnaround for Baylor. They've, of course, been good for a while now, but Scott Drew took over that program when it was at at about as low a place as any program has ever been. You know, the 
of course, the tragedy of a teammate murdering another teammate back in 2002, and Scott Drew kind of getting in or being hired there to, to pick up the pieces and to think about it. While, you know, 19, 20 years is a long time to to build up from that point and go to national champions is is pretty unbelievable. So, you know, you give a ton of credit to Baylor for what they've been able to build and, and the team that they built, which was honestly, while that game was not that great in terms of, you know, being interesting down the stretch or anything with being a blowout, but watching the way that Baylor competed was, was impressive and fun to watch because they were all over the glass. Their defense was intense. They were all over the place. Gonzaga could really never get anything going in that game. And, you know, that's 100% due to Baylor and their pressure, their intensity, um, the way that they played throughout the game. So, uh, you know, congrats to Baylor on what they did this season. Congrats to, to Gonzaga on another one. And, and as we look forward to next season, maybe it's finally the year for LMU to get back in the NCAA tournament. I know that's a big reason Eli Scott said that's one of the main reasons he wants to come back along with kind of refining his game on the perimeter and making himself a real prospect for, for the NBA. We know, we know he'll have a long pro career overseas if he wants to, but he certainly has the talent of what he's done at LMU to to take that next step and get to the next level. And he's talked about improving his game under head coach Stan Johnson. If he takes another step, mentioned earlier in the show, all of the players that are coming into the fold, the returning guys, the guys that were injured, I think there's a real possibility for the Lions to finally get into the NCAA tournament. You know, there's so much talk every year about the historic team of, of Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. Uh, that was the last team that made it into the NCAA tournament for the Lions, 1990. It has been over 30 years for LMU. Uh, we've seen other teams in the conference being able to get to the tournament. Of course, Gonzaga does it all the time. St. Mary's, BYU, San Diego's been in a few times. So uh, I think it's time for the Lions, and they will certainly uh, – have a stacked roster to, to try to compete to do it. Um, and I think Stan Johnson and this in this coaching staff is gonna have a really strong, exciting schedule for the Lions to play. And you know that should all hopefully work well and getting the Lions to where they want to be in the in the NCAA tournament. But we know there's a whole off season to look forward and plan ahead to that. Until then, we'll as we said in the upcoming episodes, we'll have some guests on here. We'll look back at some of the fun moments from this past season and a lot to look forward to here on the LME Basketball Podcast. So thanks for checking back in with us. We're happy to be back going here on the Bleed Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Five stars is always appreciated. Or find us wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow me for any LME Basketball updates on Twitter at Jesse underscore cast. So that will do it for this week's episode. Thanks again for tuning in on the Bleed Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place of the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.